This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So it, uh, you got to hurt them where their pocketbook is, is what is quite obvious when it comes to anti-Semitism. Because now all of these universities are freaking out because all of their uh, wealthy Jewish donors are withholding funding. Harvard just launches a board to disrupt and dismantle campus anti-Semitism. Really? So they never noticed before. Hmm. Does anybody believe that? Anybody on earth believe that? Because I don't. So now... They have an advisory board. I hate when they get advisory boards. They never do anything. They will help us to identify all the places from our orientations and trainings to how we teach where we can intervene to disrupt and dismantle this ideology and where we can educate our community so that they can recognize and confront anti-Semitism wherever they see it, said President Claudine Gay on Friday at the Hillel, the uh, Jewish organization on campus for kids. In her speech, she condemned a surge in anti-Jewish incidents and rhetoric across the nation and on our own campus in the aftermath of Hamas's terror attacks, which killed more than 1,400 Israelis, mostly civilians. Here at Harvard, I've heard story after story of Jewish students feeling increasingly uneasy or even threatened on campus. We should all be alarmed by this. I am. I want to acknowledge the profound toll this has taken, especially on our Jewish students, faculty, and staff. Your grief, fear, anger are heard and felt deeply. deeply rather. She named several ways the lie at the core of anti-Semitism, the denial of Jewish identity and experience, has manifested itself throughout history. The lie has taken many forms, from Holocaust denial to the blood libel to conspiracy theories to the denial of the Jewish people's historical ties to the land of Israel. Harvard is a place for inquiry and vigorous debate about our world's greatest challenges, a place to reveal truth, not to deny facts. Better late than ever, right? You know, I looked at uh, some footage of this speech and all I kept thinking was, my son worked at that front desk that she was standing in front of at the Harvard Hillel. He was in there on September 11th of 2001, when all the Jewish students were locked in there. Yeah. So the fact that she's saying there never, never been any evidence of this before is a pure fantasy. Fantasy, that's all. And now people are having to come to terms with this. Now they have a student at, at Cornell who got nabbed, 21-year-old junior, 
Prosecutors are charging with posting online messages threatening to kill Jewish students on campus. Going to shoot up 104 West, Patrick Day allegedly wrote on a message board over the weekend referring to the building that houses the school's kosher dining hall and is located next to the Jewish Center, which gives housing to Jewish students. This according to a Justice Department press release. He faces charges of threatening to slit the throats of Jewish men, rape Jewish women, and behead Jewish babies. He also allegedly said he would bring an assault rifle to campus and shoot all you pig Jews. Okay. And they're all shocked. You know, all the administrators in these colleges are shocked. M meanwhile, they've been hosting the most anti-Semitic conferences year after year after year, but uh, this is a surprise to them. Now, Yale has a nice problem. You know, and what kills me about all this, I have a cousin who's a department head at Cornell, Jewish. My kids went to Columbia and Harvard and Yale and Stanford. All have had incidents in the last week. Now, Yale has a publication. And that publication essentially is, you know, all of the colleges have these publications, and some of them are more prestigious than others. Harvard's and Yale's are extremely prestigious. And so a student had written a piece basically defending something you shouldn't have to defend, Jews' right to be alive. And they altered his article in the Yale newspaper. Yeah. Probably the two best things that I've seen, and a lot of people have seen it, but I'm still going to play uh, Noah Tisby's speech that she gave. She's an Israeli actress, and she knocked it out of the ballpark with that speech. But there was a an encounter at Oxford yesterday between a Harvard alumni by the name of Ben Shapiro and some anti-Israel activist. And to say that Ben Shapiro tore her to shreds would be to give her way more credit than she is due in her all-white, uh, you know, outfit and hijab. The audacity to wear white when there's nothing but blood on your hands. The student accused Israel of waging an unjust war against Hamas and of killing Palestinians, Palestinians rather needlessly and at will. Shapiro pointed out that Hamas is ultimately responsible for Palestinian deaths because the terror group hides military targets in civilian areas. Now, it's viral on social media. And he went on to say, civilian casualties are a cost of war. That is just a reality of life. During World War II, there were 70,000 Brits who died during the Blitz bombing. And there were 2 million Germans who died, civilians, who died during World War II. But on the difference between Israel and Hamas, the host of uh, the Ben Shapiro show said there's a vast difference in moral scope between deliberately going into a civilian area and murdering everyone you can find and trying to kill a terrorist who's deliberately hiding beneath a civilian area. 
student said, Israel is effectively doing the same because Gaza is the most densely populated region in the world. She went on to claim that Israel has killed 3,500 children in Gaza since the start of the war, which is, of course, a figure that comes from the Ministry of Health, which is run by Hamas. And both the U.S. and Israeli governments have said this is a totally unreliable source of information. So when she was pressed on whether using civilians to shield military operations gives Hamas immunity from retaliation, the student responded, where are the children left to go? And Shapiro pointed out that using civilians as cover violates the Geneva Conventions on Just War. The student went on to claim that the inequality of deaths on the Hamas side versus the Israeli side shows Israel is waging an unjust war. Since 2005, 23 out of every 24 conflict deaths have been Palestinian, the student said. I don't see any moral equivalency there. It's clearly unjust what the IDF has been doing to the Palestinians because there is a vast disparity in the number of Palestinians being killed than the number of Israelis being killed, to which Shapiro responded, if, based off the numbers, more Germans died than Brits in World War II, did that mean that the British were wrong in World War II? Because they did, many more Germans died than Brits. The student then elicited a strong reaction from the crowd as she claimed that Britain wasn't bombing civilians. The Allies, including Britain, targeted population centers in aerial bombing runs toward the end of World War II because they were trying to flood Germany with refugees. So after being rebuked by the crowd, the student fell back and asserted that Israel's war on Hamas was not a just war, and Israel has been killing civilians for the past 75 years, to which Shapiro responded by citing the toll from Hamas's October 7th attack on Israel, roughly 1,500 dead, mostly civilians, and more than 200 more captured and taken back to Gaza. Israel does not purposely kill civilians. Palestinian terrorists do. If Israel put down its guns tomorrow, there would be a second Holocaust. If the Palestinians put down their guns tomorrow, there would be a Palestinian state. That is the reality. And he said to her, finally, which part of Palestine is occupied? To which she responded, the entirety of Palestine. Shapiro said, there it is once again. I appreciate you expressing your full genocidal intent for the Jewish people living between the river and the sea. It, it's, it's gone way past us having debates about this anymore. And it's starting to wear thin on Jews around the world. For so many years, I've been giving you this, the, this, the facts about Israel and how not supporting Israel and saying that you're anti-Zionism is just a cloak for anti-Semitism. And I kept saying, and one day, this will come back to bite all of the Jewish people in the behind. Well, that day was October 7th. But it's not going to end there. They will prevail. Israel will prevail. And when they do, there are going to be a whole lot of uh, new registrations from Jewish people into independent and Republican voters' registrations. That's it. Because you can't deny it anymore. When you got the squad and you have these uh, morons on college campuses and these anti-Semitic professors out and out saying, you know, 
uh, gas the Jews, kill the Jews. There should be no Israel and all that. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Can't deny it anymore. You know, my Jewish friends have gotten very, very quiet. My Jewish liberal friends, very, very quiet. Actually, not so quiet. Most of them are pretty pe pretty ticked off. Yep. Yes, indeed. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app, so you can participate in all of our contests and you can get the No Restraint podcast as soon as it drops every week and you can get every other podcast from this station, from the morning show, from Bill um, Cool Dad Rules to the Unidentified Alien podcast from Stephen Diener and, of course, my No Restraint podcast. You'll have it right in your cell phone every single day. By the way, to all the people who wished me a happy birthday, what I mentioned in yesterday's show is that my birthday's in a month. It's still not until December 1st. Please don't hurry me. It's going to be a big one, the big 7-0. I don't need it to come any faster than it's already coming. Let me take a break, and when we come back, I want you to hear an Israeli a actress, Toa, uh, Noah Tisby, I believe is her name. She knocks it out of the park. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory— Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right. I'm going to have to send it to you again. I, um, I have it here. It is Noah Tishby's speech to the FIDF on October 17th in New York City. So if you can look that up, Noah Tishby, speech F-I-D-F on October 17th. That's the one that I'm looking for. We'll play it later on. Um, I do have Andrew Gutman coming on at 3.30 to talk about the race that he's involved in and his, his plea to people of the tribe you know, it's it's time. It really is time for you to consider whether or not you really have a home in the Democrat Party. I say the same thing to other minorities, right? It's not just Jews that have to wake up and see this, but it really is time for African-Americans. It's time for Hispanics. It's time for Asians to really assess whether or not the party that you've been you know, swearing allegiance to for decades now cares about you at all. I, I don't think they care about you at all. How about that? I think that they are, uh, that you're an inconvenience. And the minute they feel like it, they'll just turn on you. And they will certainly do nothing to improve the lives of minority groups. Can someone show me how African Americans are doing better in cities that are being run by Democrats, even by black Democrats. 
It's mind-boggling to me how you would accept this fate. And, and we're talking about black activists who have literally propelled people into the presidency. Joe Biden was propelled into the presidency when a single black, uh, you know, member of Congress went home to Georgia and said everybody needs to vote for Joe Biden and it pushed him over the top. And that's why you, you should be asking yourselves, if you're a black Democrat, what did Joe Biden do for you? Is your life any better than it was under the awful orange man? Because you know you're a liar if you say it is. Inflation is crushing you. Interest rates are crushing. Home ownership is off the table now. Rents are skyrocketed. And it's very convenient that people will blame whatever Republican, if it's a Republican legislature, if it's a Republican governor, they'll get the blame. And the guy at the top of the food chain who really determines all these things goes unscathed. And they continue to be loyal to that party. Look, I have, I have no doubt in my mind how deep the roots for the Democrat Party run in certain ethnic groups. I come from two of those ethnic groups. I grew up and we, the, the only way I could describe my household growing up is we were yellow dog Democrats. I don't even know what that means, but that's how we were referred to by, our, by my father. My father was a champion for unions. He worked for the uh, Postal Workers Union for 30 something years. My father was a working class Jewish man who just thought that, you know, the only hope for the world was the Democrat Party. In spite of the fact that my father knew, even then, that Franklin Delano Roosevelt turned away Jews who were trying to escape the Nazis. Just turned the ship around. But he could somehow forgive him that because he felt that that his policies lined up with Jewish morality. You know, the kind of morality that says you do no harm. Education is important. You try and help your neighbors. You know, I was raised from a very early age. We were poor. I mean, poor. And my father and mother were charitable. If we barely had enough for our family, and yet I remember quite clearly there was always somebody else at the dinner table. You could always make the rice and beans go a little bit further. You could always, you know, stretch the chopped meat with enough, you know, matzah meal and, and, you know, an egg or two to expand the dinner. And we fed people and we contributed to bonds for Israel. We were always trying to help we supported both of my grandmothers. Uh, all of the children supported both of the grandmothers. All of the my, my father's brothers and sisters paid for my grandma, my bubby, to move down to Collins Avenue and live in Miami. And they sent money every single month, every one of them, all working class. I mean, we had one or two that had actually made a lot of money. One was a, you know, a mobster and he made a lot of money. And Another was a successful insurance broker. He made a lot of money. So they maybe have kicked in a little bit more, but that's how we did it. We took care of our own. 
And for some reason, we were always Democrats. And I grew up like that. My first campaign was for Herman Badillo, city council president. My next campaign was Robert F. Kennedy. You know, I had a house where, you know, there was a picture of John F. Kennedy, like in a gilt frame, hanging right at the front of every apartment I ever lived in. So I grew up that way. But it was in the late 80s and early 90s when I woke up one day and I said, just like Ronald Reagan had said before me, who are these people? I don't recognize any of the people who call themselves Democrats. Al Sharpton? Come on. The guy who referred to Jews in Heimitown and Jesse Jackson? I'm looking around at the Terry McAuliffe's and all these people. They didn't look like me. They didn't think like me. And they didn't believe what I believed. And that's when I left. But I'm telling you guys, if you're staying now after what you've just seen, after you've seen the anti-Semitism as you probably had it sitting around your dinner table, you tell me if it was worth sending your kids to these expensive colleges to come home as anti-Semites, even the Jewish kids, because it isn't. Anyway, um, I I, I can't wait till I don't have to talk about this anymore, but I'm not so sure that's going to be anytime soon, you know because it's just getting worse out there, worse and worse and worse. But let me, um, let me take a break. I do have Andrew Gutman coming on at the next segment, so uh, you'll want to hear what he has to say, because like me, he, he's fed up. He's had enough of that, and he's running for office. He's running as a Republican, a man who'd been a Democrat just like me. So stay right where you are. All right, and, and welcome back. As I uh, said to you before, you know, there's a lot of people who are just now waking up. And there are going to be a lot more people who are going to be waking up. And that's why um, I am I'm happy that uh, Andrew Gutman, who happens to be a candidate for the district currently held by Lois Frankel. It's 22, isn't it? Florida District 22, Andrew? Yep, it's 22, correct. Okay, they change the district so often, I never, I'm never confident that I've got the right number. But Uh, I saw the two pieces that you put out. One was a personal statement, and you obviously feel exactly the way I feel right now, which is how could anybody in their right mind still support a party that is so filled with rabid anti-Semites as the Democrat Party? I mean, it's heartbreaking for people like you and me who were once Democrats. It's heartbreaking. I want to make one correction. I was actually never a Democrat. That's sort of a rumor that has been spread by our Republican competitors through the district. Uh, I've sort of been conservative since I was in middle school. used to listen to uh, Rush Limbaugh when I was in study hall in high school. But I I consider myself politically homeless, having grown up in the New York area, lived most of my life in the New York area, thinking kind of both both parties are are sort of corrupt and, and not identifying necessarily with either, even though politically I was ideologically conservative. But, you know, I, I came to the conclusion that, which I think a lot of people have, you have one party, which is the Democratic Party, that wants to tear down Western civilization. You have one party that stands for those American values, Judeo-Christian values, and wants to save Western civilization. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the last three or four weeks on, on Israel and on anti-Semitism. You have one party, the Democratic Party. We did put out this mailer piece. Uh, showing a couple members of the squad, um, and and this is you know pro Hamas. This is anti-Israel. This is foundationally anti-Semitic, and this is what the Democratic Party has become. And it's only getting worse. I think there was a poll that came out last week that shows that the majority of young Democrats 
are anti-Israel. They are not into supporting Israel. They are pro-Hamas. Mm-hmm. And this is absolutely terrifying. So we need, you know, Jews to wake up. And Jews are, you know, other than religious Jews, Jews are overwhelmingly Democrat. But this is about Israel. This is about our own safety in this country and around the world. So, you know, we're hoping and praying that, that Jews start to wake up to what's really going on here. I've been trying for the last 30 years to convince the uh, Jewish people, especially here in South Florida, that they are homeless, that neither party was all that concerned about them, but at least the Republican Party were champions for the democracy in the Middle East called Israel. And that yeah. mattered to me. I was a, I'm was i a non-party affiliate, except when it comes to primaries, I'll jump in and you know become a Republican so I can vote for somebody. But uh, I'm always an NPA. Um, because like you, you know, th- there's just so much disquiet around both of the parties that, that there are days when they feel like a uni party, as some people refer to it. But I can tell you this, I would do public speaking occasions all over for the last 33 years in South Florida, and I would have people from the Hadassah groups or from other uh, ostensibly Jewish groups argue with me that the Republicans meant to destroy Israel. And I would say that you have absolutely no evidence of that, but I can show you plenty of evidence that the Democrats want to see Palestine from the river to the sea. And they would just shut me down. They could not hear it. Uh, it it's night and day. We, we just came from left uh, this past weekend. We were at the, the annual Republican Jewish Coalition conference in Las Vegas where every presidential Hopeful spoke, including President Trump. We had uh, Speaker Johnson give his very first public public speech. And it is absolutely, overwhelmingly, unanimously pro-Israel within the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And you certainly can't say that about the Democratic Party. Uh, you know, Biden came out, you know, pro-Israel at the beginning. And now we know that the Democratic Party, under pressure from the squad and the younger, uh, the younger Democrats, are, you know, handcuffing Israel and what they can do and trying to slow down the invasion. Um, it is night and day now between the Republican and Democratic Party on their support of Israel and on their stance against the, the enormous amount of anti-Semitism that we're seeing across college campuses and in rallies in almost every city of this country, which I think I, I'm really hoping this wakes up Jews because I, I don't think any, any of us Jews thought we would see this Ever again. I mean, after the Holocaust, we, you know, what happened in Israel is the worst event that happened to Jews since the Holocaust. And this anti-Semitism we're seeing across America, we're seeing it in Europe, but especially seeing it in major cities here on college campuses here is, is frightening. And mm-hmm. so I really do hope that this starts at least the process of waking up, uh, you know, the Jewish Democrats and progressive Jews, because, you know, our own safety is at stake here and, and Israel's survival And if there's no place to run, then that will be extermination. There's no question about it. Look, I have kids who, they're young adults, well, they're middle-aged adults now, that went to Harvard, went to Yale, went to Columbia, went to Stanford. And, you know, I can usually not have very civil conversations with them about many things, but over the last couple of days, they have both told me that they are withholding any future donations to alumnus organizations at those campuses, that they have taken a verbal, vocal position in the cities in which they live, which are L.A. and San Francisco, not exactly Jewish-friendly places, right. and they have just, they they have had it. And 
they 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 can't quite admit that I was right, but they are they are moved by what happened and by seeing people that they thought were friends of theirs, you know, screaming yeah. these you know gas the Jews in the streets of their hometowns. It's it's just I, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a, a a very strong backlash. People, you know, money speaks, and these large yeah. donors like Cooperman and all these people to Harvard and Yale and Stanford and all these, they're, they're holding their money back and that will move. Claudine Gay over at Harvard now has an advisory board to wipe out anti-Semitism. Well, good luck with that. My son went there and on, on September 11th of 2001, they had to lock all the Jewish kids in the Hillel Center. So it's been there forever. It is. And I am hopeful, like you just articulated, that we do see more donors. We're starting to see it pull back money. I wish they had done this 10 or 20 years ago because this has been infiltrating, you know, elite universities, Ivy League universities. We saw it with our own daughter. You know my story, you know, in the K through 12 schools. This has been going on for a very long time. So I'm very happy to see a handful of them start to do it now. We need significantly more to really put pressure on, you know, the Harvards of the world that have, you know, $50 billion endowments. Yeah. Um, but this is where the pressure has to come. And, and you know, as, as me being a congressional candidate, you know, hopefully when I get to Congress, and this isn't going to be an easy thing to do, but we've got to start defunding these universities. We've got to pull their not-for-profit status. We've got to stop subsidized student loans into what are these anti-Semitic, anti-American institutions where yeah. these young people get indoctrinated. This has to happen. I think these universities are really, I, I'm not sure they're savable, but we've got to, We've got to get this this radical progressive ideology, anti-Semitic ideology, out of these universities and K through twelve schools. Absolutely, and look, you know, I have not seen a word from the sitting uh, congressional representative who happens to be Jewish, Lois Frankel. She hasn't put out so, a statement. She's sitting so, alongside so of the squad. I, she did a radio interview um, that I heard last week, and they asked her about anti-Semitism, and this was her response. This is her. This is woke speak. She says. Bigotry is intersectional, and then goes on to say we're seeing hate against the LGBTQ community. We're seeing Islamophobia. We're seeing violence against Asians. That was her answer, not mentioning Jews, not mentioning anti-Semitism. This was just last week. She's completely tone deaf. She's completely unwilling to stand up to the the squad. Uh, She's just completely out of touch with her own constituency. I mean, this is... One of, if not the most Jewish districts in the country, and and she's completely not representing her constituents here. So I think it's time for her to go. But this is broadly speaking, this is a Democratic Party that yep. has now become anti-Israel and anti-Semitic, and we've got to change it. Absolutely. And if you want to find out more about the campaign, Andrew Gutman uh, has a website. It's andrewgutman.com, right? And you can find out about uh, events yep. and where to see and how to support him. Andrew, thanks. Uh, I, I, your statement is wonderful, and I, I hope people go to the website and read his statement about what he has seen and what he, you know, what his feelings are about this. Thanks so much, Andrew. Uh, talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me back. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Let me take a break. I'm hoping that we'll have time to hear Noah Tishby's, but uh, if not, we'll hear part of it. Just stay right where you are. Don't forget Eric Erickson comes on after me. And then all the evening guys tomorrow morning. Jen and Bill will be back with the morning show, as well as 9 o'clock with Brian Kilmeade, noon with Dan Bongino, and then me at 3. So stay right where you are. I think that's one of the best speeches that I have ever heard, and uh, I just wanted everyone to hear that. It's Noah Tishby. 
She's an Israeli actress, and she hit every point, and she's absolutely right. To all the Jews who, uh, who think that it's going to go away, you've been played. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 p.m. If it be his will and he delays his coming, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.